Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Oh, goodness. Trade season is officially here, everybody. Blockbuster trade on Monday. Blake Griffin to the Detroit Pistons for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban, Marjanovic, and draft picks. Sekou Smith from the Hangtime Podcast here in Atlanta at headquarters. My main man, Greg Anthony, will join us a little bit later from the road to discuss this deal. He's in L.A. of all places. Great timing, G.A., to call the Blazers and Clippers on TNT. But before we talk to him and John Schumann and, and break it down a little bit, Let's get the inside scoop on this Clippers deal for Blake Griffin from my main man from the L.A. Times, Brad Turner. BT, you, you could have gave us a warning, just a little bit of warning. Man, man, look, let me tell you something, thank you. I flew back from New Orleans where I was, you know, having a good time eating some good food. <laughs> and I look up, you know, Blake has scored 27 points. I think he had like seven assists, seven rebounds. I mean, he was doing the do. I get home, take a little nap, and then I get up, start making some phone calls just because I want to make some phone calls. I get wind of this, and I'm thinking, when I first heard it, I kept thinking, nah, you got to be joking. (laughs) No, because his name had not come up during this whole trade process involving the Clippers. Next thing I knew, it was it was as real as real could be. BT, does this indicate that you know Blake is the first piece in a franchise rebuild that's going to involve DeAndre, perhaps Lou Williams, and some of these other guys? Maybe even extend to the coaching staff. I mean, is this just the first piece, or is this the big move that allows them to kind of shift some things around to prepare themselves for free agency and whatever comes beyond that? You know, I'll start by saying I asked that very same question to Clippers coach Doc Rivers today. I shoot around, and his first response was, that'll be up to you in the media. <laughs> and his second response was that they don't view it that way. Mm-hmm. They, do, they think it's just a piece of a puzzle that they're trying to put together. Right. I have questions and doubts. If that's accurate, if they keep the team together, I think the team can probably get into the playoffs at the, let's say, the eighth seed, but then you get beat by Golden State. What does that really get you? Yeah. What's the end game here? Is it to, as you said, to get pieces, to get young players, to get draft picks, to start building toward the future? I think that's the direction that they ultimately want to go, but that's a coach. Doc wants to win championships, which your team is not going to do this year, and obviously something they didn't do in previous years. Right. I think the true direction will be, let's get some young pieces that can help us out going forward. 
Amy Bailey is solid. Tobias Harris is solid. You know, Bobai is a big man, which is, we all agree to that. <laughs> I mean, he's a big boy. He can give us some quality minutes. But I think the draft picks that they can get out of this deal will be helpful going forward because the Clippers have their own draft pick. Right. So let's just say they missed the playoffs this year, and we can assume that so will Detroit. The Clippers could have two lottery picks. They could be high lottery picks, but who's to say you can't take those picks at, for example, 10 and 13, package those picks, and get a higher lottery pick? Right. That's always possible, but I, I think that's something they have to think about doing, and you have to persuade your head coach that he's not going to tank. He's not going to do that, and you can't say you have to do that. But you have to worry about the future, and right now the future is here for the Clippers. Wow. Um BT, what is what is the responsibility in terms of this decision to trade Blake? Where does what does that responsibility lie? Is this Lawrence Frank? Is this the front office? Is this Doc? Is this Steve Ballmer? Is it all of them? Like who who decided after giving him that five year hundred and seventy one million dollar deal that, that we're gonna scrap this plan and go in this completely different direction? Like where where did the faith get lost in Blake and where does the, the onus for this decision ultimately lie? That's a very good question, Seiku. I would say the deal started with, from my understanding, Detroit calling the Clippers, which in some ways surprised them. Wow. Now, whoa, someone really wants to take on this contract. <laughs> but I, I understand that Detroit thinks they have a difficult time getting stars to come to Detroit to play for them. Mm-hmm. And it meant taking on a big contract, and Blake is still viewed as a star player. So the Clippers were more than happy to do it because they realized that with Blake and DJ and Lou Williams, that is not going to win your NBA championship because they couldn't do when they had Chris Paul. Right. So I think from the beginning they thought they had to pay Blake that extension because they lost Chris Paul mm-hmm. to Houston. What does it look like if you have Lob City, which is now Flop City? <laughs> now what, what, what happens if you lose both of those guys and in Blake's case, you lose it for nothing. I believe that they somewhat panicked, that they felt they had to give this to Blake to pacify their fans, to make them think we're still trying to win. But at some point, they, the Clippers did realize this is, this is not a very good deal for us. We will be hamstrung by this five years. $171 million contract. You know, the money you make down there, thank you, with the big dollars, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wish. So they came, back, they came to that conclusion, but the guy who put the deal together really was Lawrence Frank and the front office. Mm-hmm. They then took it to Steve Palmer, who then consulted with the consultant, Jerry West, who agreed that it was a very good deal for them to make, and they did, and now they keep moving forward. Wow. It's, I mean, it's just it's stunning. Um you know that that they would make this deal, and I. What, what's your impression of Blake's initial reaction? He it seemed like he was as surprised as you were uh, that From that this happened. You know, thank you. He was. Who wouldn't be? Because you've been giving all of this money. You've now been told that you're the unequivocal leader of the team because Chris is gone, and so now you share leadership duties with DJ, and surprisingly with Lou Williams. Because no one knew much about Lou, what to expect from Lou. So those were the three guys that were leading the team, but they all followed Blake's lead for the most part. So that happens. The next thing you know, 
I mean, he's been told, basically, we don't want you anymore. But someone else does, it's just not us. Wow. This this league, BT, as you know, having covered it as long as you have, things change on a dime. Um, but this, this ranks right up there with one of the more stunning. I, I cannot remember. Uh, I was talking to somebody earlier. I don't know that I can remember a time when a guy was given a max contract, maximum right. years, maximum amount of money he could get, and he was traded as quickly as Blake has been traded. It's an indictment. On, apparently on Blake and what the Clippers believe about Blake. Never mind the ceremony, you know, the, the red carpet they rolled out, the videos, the we're going to yeah, have a statue for you, a jersey hanging in the rafters. All of that disappeared. A Clipper for life. I guess that, light, that was a short lifetime, you know, <laughs> and being a Clipper, they, they thought he was trying to move somewhere else. I mean, they came to the conclusion, obviously, that Blake was not the guy that could lead them to an NBA championship. Yeah. So now they move forward. They get a they get two draft picks for him. They could be good picks. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's next for the Clippers? But it's obviously the Clippers don't think that Blake is that guy. And I mean, that, that had to hurt. It's it had you. to hurt to know that you were giving the keys to the castle. And now they're saying, hey, uh, can we have those back, please? <laughs> Matter of fact, we're going to take them back. Yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, the money situation makes it look really odd. But think about this. Shaquille O'Neal was traded from the Lakers to Miami. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was traded from Milwaukee to the Lakers. Will Chamberlain was traded from Philadelphia to the Lakers. Those are Hall of Famers. Yeah. So if they can be traded... True. That's a that's a great point, BT. Brad Turner from the Los Angeles Times on the Hangtime Podcast. I know you had a long day. We appreciate you, bro. Get home safe yeah, and, and I appreciate it too. you know and, and tell well, everybody in LA we feel for. Eighty five degrees in January here, man. We living good out in LA right now. You ain't got nothing to complain about. No, I don't think it's that warm. I'm, I'm, I think you're giving Detroit too much. That's my home state, as you know. You're giving them way too much credit. It's probably in the single digits tonight. <laughs> BT, we appreciate it. Look, I'll see you. I'll see you in a couple weeks, man. During All Star Weekend, um, should be interesting. Yes, it will be. All right, man. Appreciate you, BT. All right, no Thank you. That's Brad Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Um, and you know. It, that's ground zero right there on the Blake Griffin trade and what's going on with the Clippers. Great insight from BT as always. Read his stuff at latimes.com, and you know you can always catch him on Twitter and on social media. But that's that's great information from Brad Turner. And uh, BT's in L.A., and, and so is my, my partner in crime, Greg Anthony. So let's transition from BT and, and get into what GA's perspective might be on this. GA... I don't even know where to start, man. Uh, a, what's the weather like in L.A.? And uh, <laughs> and and is the sky falling in Clipperland or what? Yeah, I tell you, it was interesting how this thing all played out yesterday. Uh, shocking would be a word I would use to describe it. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, you, you can understand the thought process from L.A. in terms of, well, you know, there's a ceiling we've reached with this core, uh, and it's been proven it's not good enough to get over the hump. Uh, so you get that. But, you know, the Clippers, 
to me, is a little more unique. It's not just getting rid of arguably the best player in your franchise's history. You're getting rid of the guy that made your franchise relevant. Yes. Um, And that's the thing that's a little concerning because the Clippers have become a hot ticket in L.A. And it all kind of coincided with Blake Griffin. Right. They've had a generation now that's only known the Clippers to be relevant. But you and I both know it wasn't that long ago when they were irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Didn't have a strong fan base. Wasn't necessarily going to be a lure for free agents, top tier free agents. And the concern has to be, okay, are we going to return to a point where the people are no longer excited about us because, you know, that team that also plays in that building, they can go through this and their fan base and their history is such that they're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but now when you look around and you, you look at it, you know, Blake Griffin, the last couple of years has been the biggest star in LA. In the basketball standpoint. <laughs> I mean, bar none. Yeah. Actually in uniform, you're absolutely right. I mean, outside of Kobe, he's been the biggest name. Yeah. And I mean, Kobe hadn't been there a few years. So like the last few, it's been him. Now you've lost that lure, and it's going to be interesting moving forward how this thing all plays out. I understand wanting to start over, you know, and all those things, but it's, you know, the the going up a team is a hell of a lot easier than rebuilding. (laughs) And that's going to be the big challenge. And and again, I like Tobias Harris. I think Avery Bradley is a really good basketball player. I mean, it's not that those guys aren't going to help your team, but are they going to? encourage people or excite people who want to buy jerseys. Right. You know, spend exorbitantly on the tickets and still continue to have that passion if they become an also man, if they become a team that's on the fringe and making the postseason. You know, that's the fear from from an LA standpoint when you look at the clip. GA, when you look at this from a player's perspective and you watch an organization take a guy who as you already mentioned gave relevance to a franchise that basically had none prior to his arrival for an extended period of time. Are you looking at the Clippers and saying, this organization has no loyalty to a guy like this. If I'm a free agent, how would they treat me? Like how disposable would I be as a player in that organization? If they will do this to a guy like Blake, or do you look at it and say, this is a business. They had to make a business decision and Blake's situation has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think both are true. I mm-hmm. think both happen, right? Uh, I think you say, damn, if they'll do it to Blake Griffin, <laughs> they'll do it to anybody. Remember, because this wasn't a scenario. Blake just signed. They just sold him on being, yeah. you know, a guy that they're going to hang a, ra- a jersey in the, in the raft. <laughs> oh, they're going to have a statue of. They sold him on that. <sighs> they gave him five years. Like, we were talking about this uh, earlier. Like, I don't remember a time where a guy signed a max deal for max years and was traded with the, in the first year. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's kind of – that you don't see that in today's game. Because, gentlemen, think about the guys who've gotten the deal that he just got. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry are the three guys that immediately come to mind. Right. I think DeMar DeRozan's in that category. Yeah. Anthony no, Davis but, got got a big deal, yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they got max deals for max year. Right. right. Like, so you generally aren't seeing that guy even coming up in a scenario where he might potentially be traded. So it, it's a bold move by that front office 
Um, and it's one that they're going to be answering questions to for a long time, especially if things aren't going well in the near term. Who I'm, I'm looking at this and wondering how much of this was born out of Chris Paul leaving. And, and in the immediate aftermath of Chris Paul saying, I got to get out of here, and you're the Clippers, well, Blake becomes priority number one. But then you go into a season, and it's more of the same, the injuries, the drama, um, you know, just the things that seem out of your control if you're the Clippers. And, and to come up with this move, and, and this could be one of several that are made by the Clippers leading up to the trade deadline. I mean, we don't know that DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams are, are going to be there permanently. We don't know how this continues to evolve between now and, and the February tr- trade deadline. Do you do you look at this and say we should have seen some of this coming when Chris Paul left, or or was the smokescreen? Hey, they signed him like you said for five years, max deal. You're thinking Blake is the face of the franchise for at least the next half decade. Well, let's give a little perspective from this point. Part, uh, Seku. You've got a new regime in the front office. Right. They didn't draft him. They didn't put that team. You, you brought in Michael Winger as the GM. Lawrence Frick now is the vice president of basketball operations. Doc Rivers is no longer a part of the front office in terms of the decision making. You brought in Jerry West as a consultant. And if you're going to give him $5 million a year, you sure as hell know he is consulting. <laughs> He's definitely involved in the Right? So they have a different connection. Uh, and they had to sell, I'm sure, the owner on having to do this. And listen, again, a lot of times all this stuff in theory sounds great about what we're going to do. But again, I, I still get the sense that the Clippers have a somewhat fragile fan base. And one thing you want in this league, and this is why it's a great move from Detroit standpoint, you want a guy that people want to pay to see. You know, like, I, I, I'm excited. I want to, there's a, there, there aren't a ton of, I, I'm going to pay to see a game because I love basketball. But there, there are certain guys that you're going to pay the premium to see. And Blake Griffin had basically been one of those guys. And right. looking at it from Detroit standpoint, a team that's in a new arena, mediocre. I think it's fair to say they're an average team. You know, yes. they, they, they Yes. Nothing really just grabs you when you look at them. Now, all of a sudden, they make this deal. You don't think the buzz is going to pick up in Detroit? I guarantee you it's going to help them uh, in terms of ticket sales and interest and excitement. Yes. yes. Immediately. I I heard from people back home right away, like, is this for real? Like, we got Blake Blake Griffin. I was like, yes. You know, now how it turns out, GA is is anybody's guess. You know, what kind of fit Blake will be. whether or not he will be as frustrated with Stan Van Gundy at times as some of those other guys have been. The, the other thing about this that really gives me pause, and, and Blake has already come out and said he's ready for the next chapter. Whether he means it or not, he's prepared to, to go to Detroit and start fresh. If you've had a locker room with, with Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, and, and some of those guys who were there, some guys who have departed as a part of this deal— who couldn't get on one accord, who couldn't find something to rally around, be it Stan or anything else, do you think Blake can come and galvanize that group? Can he come and be the guy that they rally around or the, you know, the figure that changes the culture maybe in that locker room? 
Well, I think he can help. And again, I'm a I love Tobias Harris, but at this stage of Tobias Harris's career, he's not as accomplished, uh, and he's not going to have the voice that can resonate in a locker room the way that Blake Griffin's can. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, at this stage of his career, while I think he's a really good player, he doesn't have the the, the talent that Blake Griffin has right now. Right. And I'm getting there. I don't look. You talk about well, you know, his health and this, that, and the other. When you talk about Blake, that we. All we can base it on, we, we have to always assume that these guys are going to be healthy and going to play. Yeah. Um, but so from that standpoint, I'm thrilled. I mean, because it also, what it does when you make a move like this, is it brings about a sense of urgency in your locker room when you're Detroit. Yeah. You know, it tells you what they're trying to win and they're trying to win now, and it forces you to look at yourself. So because – one thing we do know, like even in the Clippers situation, when you think about where the Clippers were this year with all of that, I forget the trade with Chris, the fact that they basically hadn't had the starting point guard or small forward the entire season. Both guys, Beverly and Gallinari, missed 38 games. Right. They were still fighting for the playoffs right there. you know. And Blake had some injuries, but Blake was having a terrific season as well. And so um, <laughs> if, if things aren't going well, now it's going to be hard for you to point fingers because – Wait a minute. It, it can't. It ain't Blake if he's playing and playing well in terms of being the reason we aren't winning. We got to start looking at these other guys. Right. And I think now, though, too, the other thing it does for them is he becomes unquestionably their best offensive player, and you got to buy into that. You know, with Tobias, guys could, in their mind, maybe feel they were better offensively. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you – because I think that's part of the issue there, too. They really hadn't established who their guy was, their go-to guy. Right. That's not going to be the case with, with Blake. You know, you don't you don't trade for a guy in the first year of a five-year, well, what do you sign, 175, 200 million? 171. Whatever that deal. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure they're expecting him to come in and be, you know, Andre Drummond's still there in, in a great young town, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're expecting Blake to come in and kind of be the face of the franchise. Yeah. Well, the the face of our franchise around here, GA, is John Schumann. Everybody knows it, um, and we can't trade him, unfortunately. No matter how many times he got a trade. So Schumann, what's up? Give us the Schumann stat this week. Am I getting the Blake Griffin salary if I'm the <laughs> face of the franchise? Don't go overboard, man. Don't don't go crazy. What's up, fellas? We're good, man. We're we're better than Blake, who's going to have to adjust the wardrobe from uh, L.A. <laughs> to Detroit. Um, what you got? What you got? Trivia wise, you better be some Blake Griffin related trivia. It is so. Nice. This year, Blake Griffin has taken thirty two percent of his shots from three point range. That is up from just twelve percent last season. Um, and that's the biggest jump in the percentage of uh, shots that come from three-point range of any player of the 156 players that have taken at least 300 shots last season and this season. Um, hasn't exactly worked out. His field goal percentage is a career low. His effective field goal percentage is a career low. That's the, the change in shot, shot, shot selection. So mm-hmm. my question for you is... What players 6'10 and taller have taken a greater percent of their shots from three-point range? There are five players, 6'10 or taller, who have taken at least a third of their shots from uh, three-point range this mm-hmm. season on a, with at least 500 total shots. 
total okay. field goal attempts. All right. I'm, this I'm, season I'm, or total, uh, all time? No, this is just, just this, this season, season. I'm ready. I'm ready this for this season. Yeah. 500 shots, at least a third of them coming from three-point range. And 6'10 or taller. 6'10 or taller, But yeah. they don't have to be a part of the Ginger Army. They can just be, I mean, because I know Correct. Blake is the captain of the Ginger Army, but this can be other dudes 6'10 or taller, regardless yep. of hair color, who are on this Correct. list. Okay. Um, I'm going with Dirk Nowitzki. Correct. Yeah. He is uh, fourth okay. on this list. At about forty percent of his shots have come from three point range. All, All these right. guys are within, but between fifty, between thirty four and forty percent, or fifty percent of their shots. Oh, I thought you were about to say thirty four and fifty years old. I was like, well, that's it. They're the only great beard on the list. All right. Um, how tall, how tall is Ryan Anderson? He's six ten. Ryan Anderson is six ten, but he has not taken five hundred total shots, and and he uh, would be the top of the list. He's taken seventy one percent of his shots from three point yeah. range, but only only three hundred and seventy four total field goals. I was gonna say he ain't getting five hundred shots on that team. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Oh, all right, well that killer is the five hundred shots. Porzingis? Yes. He's gotta be on there. No. What? Porzingis, twenty five percent of his shots have come from three point range. He's That's he's it? a big mid range guy. He takes a lot of mid range. That's right. Um and not as many threes as you might think. That's right. Kevin Durant. Durant, no. No? Okay. Let me see where he is on this list. He's 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 got to be further down. I know he always argues he's not six ten either. As well, I mean, he's always trying to say. He's oh yeah, 6'9". He's, he might be just listed as six nine. That's right. He he's not even yeah, on this list because he's listed that's as six nine. Because he's almost because he's got to be. He's got to qualify, and we all know he's taller than six ten. Yeah, let's figure out how uh, how many his his are. But keep going. KD is shady when it comes to his height. He always like always trying to act like he's shorter. He clearly has not lived the life I've lived. Ga, I ain't never exactly. lied about my height the wrong way. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, who else would be on this like six ten or taller? Pagasol hasn't taken enough. Hasn't taken enough shots. Yeah. Um. Shoot, this Actually, is, he's down. He's down. He's down to twenty-one percent. Also, this he, is he, one he of your truly despicable questions. Because Duran is at three thirty-four percent. So yes, he would qualify. He would be an answer if his. Let's uh, put him on the list, shoot, because we know his actual. height. Come on, we know All his right. height is not what All his right, listed so height six is. Six guys. We so far we have Durant and yes. Dirk. There yes. are. Uh, four others. All right. Uh, Two of them are fairly obvious. Are, are all stars? I'll give you that. Two of them are all stars. Uh, Anthony Davis or Boogie Cousins? Give me one of them. Cousins, yes. Okay, yeah. Thirty-four percent. Thirty-four percent of his shots have come from three-point range. All right. Shout out to Boogie. Get better. Full full recovery, please. One more all star, and then two younger guys. Uh, uh, Miles Turner. Nope. Kevin Love. Kevin Love, yes. Yeah. I'm on. Uh, and he's not 43 so percent of his shots <laughs> come from three point range. We'll say he's not six ten. No. <laughs> all right, so that's the those are the those are the all stars. All stars. Now the rest two of these guys, guys are two guys are younger. One's a rookie. The other is a second year player. Rookie. Marketing. Marketing. Correct. Yes, good one. Good one. For, almost just a slightly lower, less than fifty percent of his shots. Have come from three point range. Huh. One more guy, second year player, also an international guy. Mm. Who's a second year gunslinger? Who likes to jack. Plays these? power forward for an Eastern Conference team that is currently in playoff position. Uh, oh, Saric? Saric, correct. Really? Wow. Good one. 44% of the Saric. shots have come from three point range. I wouldn't have guessed Saric. That's, that's, that's surprising. I don't know if he's gotten 
But then I'm like, yeah, because I know he shoots a lot of threes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 the Sixers are always, you know, they're one of the, you know, space the floor at all costs kind of team, you know. Right. Even, and right. and with both Simmons and Embiid in the starting lineup, they need they need the other guys to shoot. Hmm. I thought it was an interesting. That was a good uh, one. Though. That was a good one. That was that's good. Interesting extra. Yeah, other guys who are are sort of close are you know Ryan Anderson we mentioned Miritich is up there but ha- doesn't have the shots. Brooke Lopez doesn't have the shots. Ilya Sova mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have the the shots. Same thing with Lyles, Trey Lyles, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Frank Kaminsky, and Ibaka. So Ibaka's close. He's got four hundred and sixty shots, and he's right. up there at thirty. Yeah. What about Horford? Where's he? Where was Horford he? is right down there, thirty-two percent. Uh, and he's just slightly less than 500, 500 shots so okay. far this season. Some people would argue that he's slightly shorter than 16. You know what? We got we well, got to fight Kevin Love. Yeah, we got to get we got to get somebody to straighten out these heights by the way. Um these listed heights. Come on KD. Come on, bro. Yeah, I don't see why they can't <laughs> just do it like at, at media day or something. Have like, you know. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Slim Reaper. Come on, man. You know you're taller than 69. He was six nine in like the the ninth grade. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear this. And Kevin Love shrunk. Kevin Love used to, when he was when he was big juicy. Kevin Love he was he was easily six ten, but now that he's the svelter, slimmer, trimmer. Kevin, you really Love, think he's less than six ten? He might Kevin, be six eight and a half, six close. nine. Is, out, uh, yeah, it's close. Is he taller than LeBron? It's good it's question. Because I mean, you know, LeBron is. I see LeBron's height listed anywhere from six eight to six nine. But, yeah, I would think, think LeBron's 6'8". Yeah, but LeBron's right at 6'8". If it's, I always contend if LeBron wasn't as bow-legged as he was, he'd be 6'11". <laughs> and then he'd really be – think of how big of a nightmare LeBron would be with straight legs. He'd be dangerous. He'd be a monster. It would be it would be a freak show. Um, Maybe it's the bow-leggedness that's kept him from having <laughs> any knee or ankle injuries over the years. Listen, I'm not trying to be funny, but, but in my recollection of sports, bow-legged cats tend to not – endure those, those sorts of injuries you got a naturally smooth gait like it's you avoid some of that stuff you don't when you land from jumping your knees don't knock and go in like which i watched the thing one time that said that's why um you know that, that certain athletes that are prone to that sort of thing have those knee injuries so maybe maybe the bow legs are helping lebron out Maybe that's right, the next step. I know, uh, I know. Here's here's a good shot of an injury prevention. Teaching I'm, how can you can you teach a guy to be bow legged? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I, no. I don't oh, think you can no. do that. Um, here's a great picture though of of yesteryear in Cleveland with Kevin Love, LeBron, and Kyrie. And Kevin Love is clearly taller than LeBron. He's a good two inches taller than LeBron in this picture. Okay, so, so we maybe say yeah, maybe he is six ten. Um, Shoe, you are every drop of that five nine and a half you claim on your license, bro. Um, I'm taller than you. That's all that matters. <laughs> wait, wait. Don't check my license in, GA, because I'm all of this 5'10 and a half I got on my license. No way. Your license is 5'10 and a half? <laughs> Listen, everybody lies on their license. That's not true, say <laughs> That's not true. That's spoken, see, see, that's spoken by somebody who might be a little vertically challenged. <laughs> everybody fudges on the license. I'm always an inch and a half taller than I really am, and at least five pounds lighter than I really am. At least. I tell you what, if you well, ever well, get, like, let's you go ever to the GA. What were you listed at? When you played. A suspect. You're like, no, no. No, it can't be me. I'm 5'10. Clearly not this guy. Yeah, exactly. What'd you say, Schumann? What was GA listed at when he played? 6'2. 
Six two? Was that legit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what were you listed like? One hundred eighty pounds? I played at one ninety one. I was okay. Legit. Yeah. Well, you really were. You'd be surprised at how few people really do fudge on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is some because what happens too a lot of times after that rookie year or the first few years they don't even do that stuff. They do your weight, right? But it's already in the program. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and guys could be like I love when a guy's listed as six eight and another guy's listed as six eight and they look roughly close. But just based on the way you built, like you might have a long neck or, you know, a high behind or shoulders that sag. Anything can make you look different from somebody who's technically the same height as you are, if that makes sense. That does. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with Um, you when you're right, bro. I'm with you. Nice. Shoot, we appreciate it, man. Look, again, if Blake needs any help, I know you've been shoveling this year. I know y'all had a little winter weather up there in in Jersey, Blake might need some tips on how to handle the climate change he's experiencing after this trade. So you might want to tweet at him. I see you've been at it on Twitter here recently. You've been you've been very uh, very in the matrix on Twitter. I saw a dude got on you about the comments you made about Alfred Payton's hair the other night, which was oh. hilarious. I almost jumped in there and I said, nope, I'm staying out of but this But that's mess. a legit question. Can a team put in, in their con- – like Alfred Payton's a free agent this summer. Can a team put in, their, in his contract that he's got to cut his hair? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't understand how it could not affect him. Like uh, I think you're being. A, I think you're crossing it's the line in his there. Field shoe. of vision when he shoots, right? It has to be. You're crossing the line there, shoe. I'm just telling you, the anyway. hair police is going to be out looking for you. Now I'm getting into into it about people if with uh, suggesting that if the Heat have an All Star, it's not Goran Dragic. <laughs> Who would it be? Josh Richardson would be my pick for the Heat. If, if, if you said, I okay, you were we have to take somebody from the fourth-place team mm-hmm. to be an all-star, I would pick Josh Richardson over Dragic, but that's just me. Yeah, well. Yeah, that is just you. <laughs> <laughs> no, better shooter, like better defender, much better defender. If you look at their on-off numbers, it's 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 not even a contest. Dra- they've been better with well, Dragic off the floor. Richardson's been really good. Yeah, yeah, the good. problem with the Heat is that they're in fourth place, but they have the, the the East's tenth best point differential, and they rank thirteenth offensively in the conference out of fifteen teams. So none of their players' numbers look all that all starish, if if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. No, but he's been there. He's leading them in scoring. He's leading them in assists. I mean, it, it would be hard. Not, and again, I don't, I don't even think that he is an all-star. I don't think they have one, to your point, Shu. But I think their team is deserving of a representative because of the season. I don't. I don't have a, a problem with with teams not getting all-stars. But, but Shu, we'll let you fight that battle on Twitter by your lonesome. How about that? <laughs> All right, fellas. Appreciate you, sir. Yep. So from John Schumann and his quacky numbers to uh, another set of quacky numbers, GA, and they better be on my side this week. Or I'm seriously thinking about boycotting bragging rights. There is a new leader in the clubhouse. <sighs> After a three and week, oh. Greg Anthony is oh. fifteen and twelve. <laughs> Seku is fourteen and thirteen after no. a two and one week. Ugh. The Clippers but over you know, there. Go for it, GA. John, you know what you gotta do is you gotta talk about what I've been since I started off like twenty nine. You were at one and eight was your low. It was brutal. You're at one and eight and now you're fifteen and twelve. Oh, man. So a solid fourteen and four stretch. So this week we're gonna start with Heat versus Cavs on Wednesday. Dragon rights is the bane of my existence. Who is it? 
Heat at Cavs on Wednesday. Oh, I, I, you know what? I feel like the Miami Heat. <sighs> I'm, I have no reason to change it up. I'm gonna let you go first. No, nah, no, you you're right. good. I'm going with Cleveland because I to go? no, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go that, with Cleveland. That's, that's a tough one. Let's I, do it. Yeah, I, let's I'm do it. You know, on Cleveland, I might just go pick everything you pick. Right <laughs> the day, just keep that little slim lead. But then again, I might not because we the way you've been rolling. Right lately, you know, I'm gonna go with the Cavs on you because I do think they are emotionally starting to turn a corner. But they better. Miami is a tough team because. You have to beat Miami. Right. They're not going to beat themselves. Nobody's going to play harder, compete better than the Miami Heat. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think they're good enough offensively in Cleveland to, to beat Cleveland. And we're going to Thursday, Bucks at Timberwolves. Ooh, that's a great one. I mean, that's the beauty of the league right now. I mean, who'd ever thought, look forward to the Bucks, to Minnesota at Milwaukee? Yeah. And with, Joe, with my man Joe Prunty getting it done. By the way, for the Bucks, yeah. Like, every time there's a coaching change, everybody belly aches about the change, and then the new dude starts winning. You go, eh, well, man, eh, yeah. maybe I got it right. I mean, firing a coach will get your attention. <laughs> that, 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 because now they can't blame the coach. Right, right. right. I'm going with and and you know what? Oh, he won't be back in time. But it's uh, yeah, Jabari, Jabari won't back be back. Friday. Yeah, Jabari yeah. plays Friday. Yeah, he comes back the next day. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going with I'm going with the uh, Timberwolves though. I, I watched them have a feeble performance in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. You shouldn't be losing the games to the Hawks if you're the Tim Wolves. You're talking about being a playoff team, top four seed and all that stuff you're chasing in the West. This is a matchup. They got to they gotta win a game like that. I'm going with Tim Wolves. Mm, that's a, you know what, I especially because, you know, Minnesota's hit a little bit of a rut here of, of late. Um, and it's a dangerous stretch because you you can start to see the All Star game. Mm-hmm. You got a couple guys going to the All Star game. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Bucks in this one. Um, I, I do think what they're doing is legit right now. Um, it's the best. I mean, they've had some stretches when Jason was there, but this feels like the best stretch that they've played. Giannis has been terrific, uh, and I like how the group has responded. Uh, to the adversity with, with losing the head coach. I'm going a, I'm to a go with the Bucks on that one. Yeah, now this this is all predicated on Jeff Teague knowing how many timeouts that the Timberwolves have at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> My whole pick is based on that. <laughs> and then finally we're going to go to Friday night, Blazers at Raptors. Ooh, ooh. Blazers are such a good load. Yeah, they are, and they're they grimy. They're going there and they're going there and shoot lights out, CJ and Dame, and 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 really take the challenge. Um, but I'm I'm I don't like picking against the Raptors at the crib. I, I like Toronto on their home floor in the game. Like I'm gonna go with the Raptors. Yeah, that, that's a tough one uh, for Portland. Because Toronto, to your point, and the thing about Toronto, this ain't last year. This team can really score the basketball. Share it. Um, I think they also haven't been playing great, but that you know coming into that game potentially they could be tied with Boston in the lockout. So uh, that that's you know they're, they're firmly staring at that one seed in the East. So I, I like the, the Raptors in that one as well. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I don't like looking at somebody else's shoe treads. In bragging rights, so this has to end this week. Like me, I, I'm cool with tied, you know. But 
I'm not dealing. I'm not digging this trailing and bragging rights no more. This is a wrap. I'm getting ready to really buckle down and get serious about bragging rights. I just want you to know that. Jonathan, yeah, you, you hear this right now. <laughs> I'm going to mark this down for the oral history <laughs> we're going to have. Stay with your chest. <laughs> Man, listen, uh, don't tear up L.A. too tough out there and, uh, you know, travel safe. We'll see you next week, G.A., and uh, we appreciate John Schumann, as always, with the Schumann Stat here on the Hangtime Podcast. And our main man, Brad Turner, from the Los Angeles Times, joining us trying to break down the craziness that's going on in advance of the trade deadline, the Blake Griffin trade. We'll see you all right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say Kuna Matata.